live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 20. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by Philadelphia Union Homegrown, U-20 U.S. Men's National Team International, last month's U-20 CONCACAF Championship Golden Boot and Golden Ball winner, and one of the most talked about young players in MLS and abroad, Paxson Aronson. Paxson, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. You guys train today? Yeah, it was a hot one today. It was definitely hot. I'm sure. I'm down here in Chesapeake, Virginia, and it's like 105, so it's probably uncomfy in Philly as well. Yeah, it was definitely a good one today, I'd say. Hopefully light on the running. I I don't want Jim to run y'all into the ground before the weekend. No, none of that. None of that. Good. So on today's interview with Paxson, we'll be covering his recent success with the U.S. Men's National Team U-20s, year two with the Union, what's next for Paxton, and so much more. But before we dive into all that, let's start with some rapid-fire fan questions. Paxton, you ready? Yes. All right, so like I said pre-podcast, earlier this season, I had Nate Harrell on the show, and he said Gino's was his favorite cheesesteak in Philly. Do you agree? If not, what's your favorite cheesesteak spot in Philly, and how do you order it? I think I'm gonna have to agree with my uh, fellow teammate here, Nate Gino's. But to be honest, I do live in New Jersey, so I don't go out to eat a whole lot in Philly. But I have been to Gino's, and I really enjoyed it actually. So, and I'm kind of just a simple guy, you know. I just get a regular cheesesteak, just the American cheese. I'm an American cheese guy. Nothing really on it, just American cheese and some ketchup. So that's how I go. All right. So your brother Brennan was dubbed Medford Messi when he was with the Union. So for you, Paxton, which European player do you feel you best resemble and could be nicknamed after? Oh, that's a good question. Because, you know, I'm like a diehard Messi fan. He's always been kind of my role model. But I like Luka Modric ever since I was growing up. Like his spells at Tottenham, just the way he played and how clean he was on the ball and you know, like his final pass is just like incredible. So yeah, he's, he's like a midfielder that I look up to. It's got a nice ring to it. A little bit of a alliteration there. The Medford Modric. Yeah. The Medford yeah. Modric. I like that. I'm going to get that going if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Do the guys on the union have a nickname already for you? No, they just call me Pax. I mean, Andre calls me, he called my brother this too. It calls me us both chicken wing because we're on the skinnier side. Got to put some weight on, man. Got to hit the weight room, right? <laughs> yeah, try. Try. All right. So the, the Medford Modric, I like that. It's got a nice ring to it, like I said. So in a, re- <laughs> in a recent Union TikTok, you said that if you had to choose one celebrity to come to your match, you would choose Drake. So I got to ask you, as a Drake fan, why Drake and what's your favorite Drake song? Yeah. Uh, my favorite Drake song is... <sighs> I don't know. There's so many to choose from, but like, I like child's play. I like headlines still here is probably like my favorite. It's kind of like not a low key one, but it's just like not a lot of people I think it would be their favorite. So still here probably for me. And I just think like he's been the artist that I've listened to ever since I was young. So that's kind of who I've stuck with and he always produces good music. So it'd be kind of cool having him at a game. So the last video you have on your Instagram, 
what song is that in there? It's off his new album, right? Yeah, it's off his new album. Yeah, that that video is fire. Thank you. Thank right? you. Yeah, I was, I was ready to run through a wall when I watched that video. The guy who did it did a great job. So shout out to him. Yeah, the video was sick. So huge time, long lifetime union fan, Morgan Tanksa. You've probably seen her around taking some pictures for the union. She yeah. wants to know if you'll ever fully embrace the headband life. Um, personally, no, because me and Brendan, you know, Brendan rocks the headband, but we just kind of have like different hair. Like mine's more wavy and his is kind of like straight curls. So like if I had to do a headband, it, it wouldn't work the same. So I've never really rocked with it. And you know, I just kind of let it flow down. A lot of folks on union Twitter were saying like the headband is actually magical. Is that true? If, for Brendan, it has been. So <laughs> it's worked good for him. All right, Paxton, if you were stranded on an island for a month with three other guys from the union, who would you want to be stranded with and why? Who would help you survive? Oh, I got two easy ones that I'm going with. Cole Turner, right off the bat, he's going to provide the food. You know, the hunting guy that kind of starting the fire. Joe Bendick, another guy who's going to provide, you know, if anything tries to attack us, he's going to be he's going to be there. And then probably for like the jokes Matt Rial, I'd bring just, you know, just to, just to have a good time for some jokes. Yeah, stranded on an island, you still got to have some fun, right? You need heat, you need the fire, you need food, but you got to have a little bit of fun too. You can't live without Yeah, exactly. That. You can't live depressed out there. It's almost like you've thought about that before, Paxton. I feel like there was a question asked. Someone asked like that question just around the team last year, and the first two were always Cole and Joe. They were always the first round drafts. So I was on a podcast with a union fan yesterday and he said that there's a rumor floating around that Jim Curtin has a burner account on Twitter. So like knowing Jim Paxson, what do you think he would name his burner account? I have no clue. He does have really good shoe style. So maybe something about the shoes, but I'm, I'm not really in Twitter. Like I think I made an account like three years ago, but I don't even think I have the app downloaded right now. So I don't know how Twitter like swings, you know, I don't know those accounts. Yeah. I'd be interested. I interact with union Twitter a lot. I'm like, have I actually interacted with Jim Curtin? And I just don't know it because he's hiding behind a, a burner account. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> when you aren't training or playing, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, as much time as like, as if we have a day off or something, I'll for sure go down to the beach, the Jersey shore, it's just like relaxing, cool, a nice place to, you know, get get your mind away from the game. And then I'll hang out with like some of my high school buddies. We go fishing a lot. I live a, near a lot of lakes. So it's another like relaxing thing. I like just calm, going to fish. When you go to the ocean, when you go to the beach, do you like to body surf? Because I'm a big body surf. Love it. I like body surfing, but I'm more of like a board kind of guy. So I get okay. my board out there and I surf. Oh, you surf? Yeah, surf, surf. The hair should have given that away for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not very good at it, but I try. See, I can't do that. All I can do is body surf. So you're you're better off than me. I'm actually re we're recording this during Shark Week. Have you watched any of that? No, I haven't. But don't, don't watch it. If you're a surfer. Don't watch it. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm definitely not. Sharks freak me out. I try not to think about it too much when I'm in there. All right. Well, then we'll get off that topic of conversation. If you could write, <laughs> if you could write your own autobiography, what would you title it? Oh my goodness. That's deep, just, isn't it? Yeah, just probably my name, Paxton Reed Aronson's story there. I like that. You're writing your own story. You're blazing your yeah. own path. Yeah. Cool. 
simple. Yeah. So speaking of that path that you're blazing from Medford, New Jersey to Chester, PA to the world. Now people know the name Paxson Aronson, but let's press the rewind button and take it back to where this journey started for you. Paxson, why soccer? What made you fall in love with the beautiful game? Um, I'd say just whenever I was young, like at a young age, my dad would always have Premier League games on. I just remember like sitting in my little like cradle, always watching Prem games, you know, waking up in the morning on blazing hot summer days and soccer games were just always on. So that kind of jump started me. I tried a lot of other sports when I was young and soccer just always stuck with me. I tried lacrosse, basketball, all that, but soccer was the one that I always followed through with. I was the most passionate about and yeah, it led me to where I am today. So I'm so thankful for it. You mentioned waking up early and watching those premier league games. I miss that. I can't wait till that comes back later this summer, but who's your prem team? Liverpool. Yeah. Me. That's my, that was my dad's favorite team. So I kind of just rode with him and my brother and yeah, to he supported. So I kind of hopped on his bandwagon. It's nice to be a Liverpool fan these last couple of years. You guys got oh, a hell of a, been, hell of a it's squad. It's been great. It's been great. It's better than being an Arsenal fan, but we won't dig too deep into that. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's shame. So, Paxson, this podcast is all about you. But, of course, we have to talk about your upbringing with your brother, Brendan, who just signed with Leeds United in the Premier League that we were just talking about. So that's got to be one of your new favorites, right? So I reached out to Brendan this morning, and I had the pleasure of having him on in 2020 before he left Philly. And he thought Philly fans would enjoy hearing you talk about the competition between you two growing up. Do you have any specific stories you'd like to share about your one versus one battles with your brother? Yeah. Um, in our basement, we used to have like these duct tape goals that we made. It was like just a cement basement, like cement walls. And like my dad put just carpet down and we would always use it just like to turn, like ping the ball off the wall, turn. And then of course, like at the end, it was we would use it in like the dead of winter when you literally couldn't go outside. And then at the end, we would always finish with one v one. We had these little like blow up goals. And I remember it was like near Christmas time, near the holidays. And me and my brother were getting into it. And I would always score like really scrappy goals because he would always be the one like coming at me, the older one. And I would just like defend my life off and score like scrappy goals, hit off his knee or win a tackle and then score. So he would always get so mad that I would kind of drop off of him. And it was like right before Christmas and he got really mad. I ended up winning the series of three and he punts the ball, hits the ceiling, breaks a light, goes up in fumes. And my mom and dad were just like, why do you have to be doing this? Like around this kind of time, like around the holidays. And he was just so mad for the rest of the night at dinner. And I was just as happy as can be. So, yeah. Little did they know, little did your parents know that those 1v1 battles in the basement were going to turn into you guys being you know, having your name in lights around the world <laughs> soccer wise. So that's uh speaking of lights. Yeah. He broke that light. Now you're now yeah. your guys' names are in it. So that's, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. so there's a three-year age difference between you and Brendan. And you mentioned, you know, you're the little brother, you're, you're scrappy fighting him for the ball, going to score that goal. Uh, but you guys seem to be following a very similar career path. You're just a couple of years behind him. What's your relationship like with Brendan? Do you look up to him and has he given you any advice, both personally and professionally that you'd like to share? Yeah, of course I look up to him. I mean, seeing what he's done ever since I was really young in the academy and when he first signed that professional contract and then his starting off with the union, how he was able to go into a team being one of the homegrowns and make an immediate impact on the team that really showed me as a young kid in the academy that I can really do this and like the future for me is here. 
And he's given me a lot of advice, you know, like he was always telling me that just something I always looked up to him is like, he would always give a hundred percent effort. He would work his hardest. So he was always telling me like some days, you know, like you're going to wake up and you might not have the best training session, but nobody at the end of the training should say, okay, well, he didn't work the hardest because your quality can't be there today, but you should always be working your hardest. That's something nobody can take away from you. So that's what I kind of try to do every single day, every single game. When's the last time you saw your brother? Um, Christmas break when he came home. I was going to see him like, cause he came home for like the summer break, but I was in qualifying. So I just missed him. He left like, I think the second and I came back the third. So I just missed him. So hopefully I can see him around the holidays again. Yeah. Do you guys talk on like a daily basis? Yeah. I try to FaceTime him like every two days. It's been hard now though, because he's in Australia and that time difference is like crazy. Like I think it's already Friday there. So it's been hard, but like when he's on a normal schedule, I try to FaceTime him every two days. Nice. So 2022 has been, and is a huge year for the U S men's national team and the Aaronsons alike. Brandon looks to be headed to Qatar for this year's world cup. And you just helped the U twenties clinch a spot in the 2023 U20 world cup, along with the team's first Olympic berth since 2008, thanks to your golden boot and golden ball performance and last month's U20 CONCACAF championships. This tournament was really your first time representing your country with major implications on the line. Paxton, did you feel any pressure to get this group back to the Olympics for the first time in 14 years? And what did it mean to you to represent the U.S. men's national team on this stage and raise some silverware? Oh, yeah. No, it meant everything. Ever since I was a young kid, I always dreamed of being able to represent my nation, represent my country in such a big event. Like you said, being able to represent them in a tournament, which was kind of my first caps for a national team and being able to do it in a fashion where it meant a lot, you know, like the U20 World Cup. And like you said, we hadn't been to the Olympics in eight years, but going to that pressure talk, I never felt any pressure. Like the team never felt any pressure. If anything, I was so excited to get the opportunity to be the one and be a part of the team that got to qualify for the Olympics. And that kind of pushed me and drive the entire team to be like, all right, we're going to be the team that does it. We're going to be the team that qualifies for the Olympics. And that was a huge motivation for me. I remember watching the game against Honduras with the last cycle and just seeing how sad everyone was seeing the disappointment from the entire country. And I didn't, I didn't want to feel that. I know the entire team didn't want to feel that. And we had that approach. Nice. That's a really good mentality to have. It's very similar to the senior U S men's national team failing to qualify for the last world cup looking back at that and saying, you know what, we don't want to repeat that. History doesn't need to repeat itself here. And that's kind of the mentality that you guys took. And the word that you said, excitement, when I look back at the, the highlights after you scored goals, I mean, just the passion that you, that you showed after you scored those goals, always grabbing the badge and kissing it, jumping up in the air, like your celebrations were everything. What were your emotions after scoring some of those big goals in that, mat, in that tournament? Yeah, no, I think uh, when I score goals, I just go crazy because it's just like all the passion and everything just kind of like lets unload, you know, like when you're playing for your country and you're singing in the national anthem before the game, like I just get goosebumps because it's such a major tournament and you're getting to represent your entire family, your club and the entire nation. So I love that. And yeah, when I scored the goals, it was just like all that joy coming out and especially in such a big event. That's awesome. I've never really asked a player like what they felt during the national anthem. So I'm happy that you alluded to that, especially playing for the national team. Yeah. 
So of the 20 guys named to the U20 CONCACAF Championships roster, four Union homegrowns, including yourself, were part of that group. You were joined by fellow Union homegrowns, Jack McGlynn, Brandon Craig, and Quinn Sullivan. What do you think that says about the Union Academy's ability to identify and develop young talent? And what was it like navigating this tournament with some of your best friends? Yeah, it says a lot about the Academy. And I think I've gotten this question asked a lot of what the Academy does that's different and what the Academy does that kind of makes these players and how it's had such good success. And I always say the people behind it, you know, like the core of the Academy, guys like Richie Graham, who is the person behind it. And he's not just in it, you know, to be in it. He truly cares about each and every single individual. You can go up to him and have a conversation just like he's anybody and he cares about each and every single player. And they do a really good job of getting individuals, getting coaching staff that work with the players, work on things they need. We had double sessions. The school was connected. So they have a really good pathway. They have a really good setup that just ultimately, if you really want it, you can succeed in that environment and getting to share the pitch and these moments, like with my friends, I played against BC, Brandon Craig and Quinn when I was like seven and I played with McGlynn when I was like 10. So we've known each other forever. And then getting to share these moments with them is super special. That's awesome. So beside the union homegrowns, what other players on the team really impress you? Uh, my first one of this guy, Alejandro Alvarado. He, I hadn't seen him for a while. We'd been in like a couple youth camps together. We kind of would bounce in and out. And he was at Galaxy at the time. And then he made the transfer to Portugal. And I saw his name on the list. And then as soon as like I saw him in trainings, I was like, wow, like this guy's like the real deal. And then he really turned up in the uh, like the knockout games. This guy was a beast, like tackling everyone, covering the most distance and then providing the spark offensively to assist me. He was one that I enjoyed playing with a lot. Another one was Rokas, plays in uh, Croatia, just being a six that tackles people and does the dirty work. Marcus, Michael Holiday, all these guys that I wasn't really familiar with came in and just provided excellence. What did you think about Diego Luna? Kid just came out of USL or MLS Next Pro, whatever it is, and signed for RSL, and then he's with the U20s playing right with you. Yeah, no, I've known Diego since I was little. So we're friends. We were roommates, past camps. I, I love playing with him because he sees the game, you know what I mean? And his technical ability on the ball is incredible to watch, the way he just shifts away from everyone and sees the passes. And I think he assisted me like three times. So I, I owe a lot to him. Yeah, there's definitely a connection there. You can see it. Yeah, no, for sure. But your seven goals earned you the golden boot and the golden ball for the best player in the tournament. As you look back and reflect on your breakout tournament last month, which of your goals was your favorite and why? Um, I'd have to say the first goal against Honduras, just because of like what it meant. You know what I mean? Like that goal kind of punched a ticket to the Olympics and in Honduras against Honduras, the crowd was like absolutely electric and, I think it was what, like two minutes into the game, putting that kind of goal into that kind of game and just what it meant to the entire country. That was, that was probably my favorite. I like the Costa Rica goals too, just qualifying for the U20 World Cup. They the were, I, I love all goals, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But definitely the Honduras one was my favorite. And the Honduras one just refreshed my memory. That was, was it off a set piece from the left hand yeah. side? Brandon. And you you took flight, in. opened up with your right foot and put it in the back of the net. It was beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah. And in front of the fans, it was, it was crazy. I love playing in those environments. Yeah. Speaking of goals, Quinn Sullivan finished one goal behind you in the Golden Boot Race. Was there any banter or friendly competition between you two to see who could win the award? Yeah. Like the whole tournament, we were always checking up on each other. Like, oh, are you going to score today? And then the final, like once the final hit, I think we were either tied 5-5 or no, he was up 6-5 in the goals. So like before the game, we were just joking around. It's like, are you going to score? And then we were just like, good luck. Like we'll see at the end. But it was all friendly. Like we we love each other. We're friends and we're just extremely happy for each other. And Quinn had a phenomenal tournament. Yeah, awesome performances from both of you guys. But we talked about what it meant lifting a trophy for the U.S. Men's National Team for your country. What was it like for you personally to lift the golden ball and golden boot? I was extremely proud. You know, I was extremely thankful for the coaching staff and the team. Like, like I said, you know, you don't have individual success if the team isn't performing and if the team isn't helping you. So that's why I gave so much credit to the team because I wouldn't have had all those opportunities, all those goals that showcasing if I didn't have all 10 guys behind me, providing me and helping me. All right. So you've played limited minutes with the union first team so far this season. So do you think your performance at that tournament helped you to gain some confidence and prove to Jim Curtin and the coaching staff that you deserve more playing time? Yeah, I think it for sure gave me a lot of confidence uh, coming back to Philly, you know, like scoring all those goals really showed myself that I can be that 10 that can score goals. But I think it's about carrying that momentum and continuing to improve, you know, not being complacent, continuing to work on the things I have to work at at Philly to continue to get these minutes and to get more minutes. Uh, like off the ball transition, you know, counter pressing, all that good stuff. This past weekend, you earned your second start of the season in a 2-1 comfort behind win versus the New England Revolution. Jim Curtin decided to start you on the right wing. And in this match, you recorded your fewest touches in any game you have started for the union with 19 touches. Paxton, what were your thoughts on your performance overall? And what specific instructions did Jim Curtin and the staff give you coming into this match? Yeah, I think we change formations, you know, we're usually in the 4-4-2 diamond. And they told me before the game that I'd have to do a good job on their outside backs because they love bombing forward. New England does a great job of, I think they get the most crosses in MLS in the box. So I knew going into it that I'd have a tough job going against a top player like DeJuan Jones, who's really pacey and who can really get up and down the field. So I was just making sure that I did as much as possible on the defensive side. And I think sometimes I ended up getting a little too far back, which then caused me to not get enough into the attack, like you said, with the few touches. But I mean, overall, like defensively, I think I put in a good shift. I did what the team needed. So I was happy. Absolutely. And I was hoping you would give me that response. It's not always about making that impact in the final third or having all of those touches in the attacking third for your team. You did the, the defensive responsibility on that side with Dewan Jones. I have that noted as well as Barrero who's on that left-hand side. So there were moments in time where you also had to pick him up. There were moments in time where you had to cover when Carlos Hill floated out um, to your yeah. side of the pitch as well. So you did, you put in a hell of a defensive shift and that may have gone unnoticed because, you know, you didn't have all those touches and you didn't, you know, add to all that offensive production, but you did put in a great shift. So I was hoping that you would touch on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So in the majority of your time with the union and union two, we've seen you primarily play as that number 10, the center attacking mid role in the four, three, two, one Christmas tree 
or the 4-4-2 diamond or sometimes even the 4-3-3. Is the 10 your preferred position and describe your strengths and style of play as they pertain to the responsibilities of that number 10 spot? Yeah, I think for sure. Uh, I prefer the 10. That's kind of my natural position. And that's the one I enjoy playing the most and the one I feel comfortable playing the most. And I think some of the qualities that I possess that are good for the position is just always being on like the half turn, getting the ball in between pockets and just being able to really drive at the defense. I, I like enjoy that, you know, like just being able to get that quick half turn and going right at the defense quickly and making them backpedal and making them make a decision. So finding those gaps, finding those pockets. And I think another quality that I have is just like my quickness and speed, you know, using that as a 10 to get in behind and kind of make the back line drop because in this day and age, you always need someone stretching the game. So getting in behind and then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, counter pressing, getting to the ball quickly and making the team turn it over. Maybe I don't win the initial tackle, but it's about if they can cough the ball up and we win the second balls and then win the transition run. So when you are told that you're playing out wide right or out wide left, or you're playing as a second striker, what are your thoughts when you're, when you're given those instructions and how does your mindset and your, your style of play fit those roles as well? Yeah, I'm always happy to just do whatever I can to get on the field and help the team. So I think a lot of the principles stay the same. If I'm playing the nine, the pressing cues and my speed, how fast I get to the ball, that all kind of stays the same. And uh, the coaching staff does a good job knowing that, you know, I'm not some six, four guy that's just going to post up like, they do a good job of still finding me in behind or I checking off as like a false nine and getting the ball and using my touch and creativity to produce. And then like the right wing, um, I like myself on the dribble, you know, getting at players. Yeah, you could see that in one of the highlights from the U20 CONCACAF championships. I forget which match it was, but you hit a guy with a shifty quick turn, you know, dip your shoulder and went, hit the guy with a, with the step over with your right foot and took it with your left leg. Like, that quickness yeah. and your one v one ability was on display there. I enjoy that. Yeah, I, I really do enjoy that. It, it was saucy. Thank you. <laughs> you looked like the Medford uh, Modric in that one. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So you mentioned the half turn and finding the pockets, and those are two key components to being successful in that number ten role, right? So one thing I like to do with every player I interview is have them break down a big highlight from their career. And I think this one exemplifies your strengths perfectly. It's the one against the New England Revolution, your first ever goal in MLS. Do you remember that goal, Paxton? And can you break it down for me? Yes, I, I do remember that goal. I, I've watched it a lot of times. Um, so, yeah, Jacob kind of picks the ball up and I'm kind of just like floating around and I see kind of Jacob pick his head up. And I know Jacob and I know he's really good at hitting those cut passes between the lines. So I kind of pick up right at the top of the box and he plays a great ball through the lines. And then I kind of position my body to where it's a half turn. And then I take a touch with the left and then I kind of look up. And I remember that moment I was like, all right, should I shoot this like right off the first touch? And then I kind of hesitated, which kind of caused me to do like a hezzy to the right and then cut back on my left. And then I just hit it. And yeah, it went in. So that hezzy put Andrew Farrell on the ground, man. <laughs> It was, it was one of those, like, in the moment, you know what I mean? Like, you look up, you see it, you kind of don't want to take the shot, so you do a quick move. Yeah. I figured you would remember that. If, if you did and I had, the, I had the highlight pulled up on my phone ready to show you, but it was your first, <laughs> so I knew you'd remember. Yeah, you always remember the first. 
Yeah. So in a recent quote from union sporting director, Ernst Tanner, he pointed out the differences between you and Brendan saying that Brendan is the perfect transition player while you are more of a number 10 who is adept in the final third versus set defense. A lot of what you guys do though, tactically revolves around being sound defensively absorbing pressure and playing in those transition moments as the union are second to last in the league in possession on 41.4%. Not that that matters because you guys are top of the league, but that's just the stat for you. So my question for you, Paxson, is do you think you would benefit and develop at a faster rate in a system and tactical approach that prioritize being more ball dominant? Or are you comfortable in this transition system? No, personally, I mean, I like this transition system because you see where the modern game's going and you see all these top teams and they play a quick transition game and that's kind of where the game's evolving. And I remember when Ernst first came in, he implemented this style right away and it was kind of familiar at first and I've bought into it. I really enjoy playing in it just because it's high tempo. You know what I mean? It's high tempo pressing. And when you get the ball, it's like, okay, you have this many seconds to get the goal because the team's out. So I actually really do enjoy that. And I enjoy the counter pressing. And I think it's suiting me and it's giving me tools that maybe when I was younger, you know, I always worked on the ball stuff and it's making me work on the defensive side, which I've actually really enjoyed. And you see like the top teams, they're all kind of developing this press, this first initial press and the counter press. So no, I really enjoy playing in that system. So you talk about, you know, improving the the counter press and just learning the system and things like that. What aspects of your game have you improved upon most from your rookie season to now? I'd say um, probably my positioning in the box. Like I remember when I first came into the league, it was kind of hard to get shots off, like just in training because, you know, everyone's bigger, faster, stronger. I was taking too big of windups, you know, I was taking an extra touch, maybe just getting that feeling, you know, like you only have a split second in the box to get that shot off. So I think I've done a good job of improving on that. And then the other thing is, just like reading the game when you're on the defensive side, reading the play or reading his movement, if he's taking a touch right or left. And then as soon as the ball turns over or when the ball is going to turn over, like making that tackle and going right for So with 13 games remaining, what are your personal goals for the remainder of the season? I'd say for sure, score, score goals, provide assists, you know, and then doing whatever it takes to help the team get wins, whether that's, coming off the bench for five minutes starting or just putting in like a completely defensive shift, you know, doing everything I can to help this team win a trophy this season. That's one of my goals. And one of my goals ever since I've been a youth is winning a team with the or winning a trophy with the Philadelphia union. And you guys are right on pace, man. What second in the supporter shield race. Yeah. Maybe third behind Austin. I don't know. I don't have it right in front of me, but you guys are up there. And yeah. the fact that you guys are tactically flexible, you guys have the depth and riches with the young guys like you and Jack McGlynn coming off the bench. You guys are going to have a legitimate say in the supporter shield race and maybe MLS cup. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, talking about, you know, what your goals are for the rest of the season, you just came off of that U20 CONCACAF championship, all that success you had there. Sergio Santos has now been traded to FC Cincinnati. Have you and Jim Curtin had any conversations about your development the rest of the year, what his plans are for you the rest of this year? Um, nothing like that. Me and Jim are super cool. You know, he's always giving me words of advice and always just kind of giving me confidence boosters and training. And look, I know what Jim expects out of me. I know what Jim expects me to do for the team. So 
it, that was kind of set in stone from the beginning of the season. And it's just about continuing that growth and continuing to help the team in any possible situation that I need to help the team. Advice. Does he give you any shoe advice? Uh, <laughs> no, I can't say he does. I just kind of look at his shoes and I'm like, all right, I kind of, I like those, you know, let me maybe pick them up. That's funny. So Orlando City's up next for you guys this weekend. At the beginning of the podcast, you said you guys just got out of a scorching hot training session. How are you guys preparing for this big Eastern Conference match? What are the keys to the match that Jim and, and you guys are kind of focusing on? Um, you know, Orlando's a kind of team that play a, a really kind of distinct style. You know, they like to get their outside backs pretty high, kind of similar to New England. They like getting their right back really high. So, but I mean, I think it's all about just playing our game. You know what I mean? I think if we play our game, then it's hard for a lot of teams in the league. If we're at our best pressing, if we're at our best counter pressing, not a lot of teams can kind of play out of that and kind of build up with that. So I think our principles stay the same. I think getting these three wins out of these last three games were important for us and being able to score all those goals were really huge for our confidence in front of goal. And I think we just have to keep the momentum going. And yeah, the same principles apply for the other games to this one. Absolutely huge week last week for you guys. Nine points in what, nine days? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a pretty was, good week. I'm, I'm sure huge. you guys are happy about that. I, I don't think I've ever actually interviewed a player on a Thursday, right? I usually interview Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So I want to ask, like, when does the starting lineup come out? When do you find out if you're going to be in the 11 or not? Um, Thursday. Usually Friday. So, well, Friday, but like the day before the game. Yeah. Okay. You think you're going to be in it this weekend? It's Thursday, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brendan. So two more questions for you. So your success with the U20s and with the union have created some transfer buzz around your name. What can you tell me about teams interest in you? I understand if you can't tell me anything. And what are your thoughts on the next steps in your professional career? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm just fully focused, like, on the union. I kind of don't really read into all that stuff. Like I said, I don't really have Twitter, but my full focus is on the union and just doing whatever it takes to help the team and finish the season off with a great season personally. And then, like I said, I really, really want to win a trophy with the union. And then, yeah, that, like, what was the second part of the question? Sorry. What are your thoughts on the next steps in your professional career? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think for sure, like every young American, the goal would ultimately be to follow the footsteps of like a, a lot of other Americans are taking, you know, go to Europe someday in my career. That's something that I've always wanted to do since I was a youth. But I think I still need to improve on some things in the MLS. And I think for sure that's a goal of mine in the – whenever it is in my career to end up in Europe and have a good career in Europe. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season with the union. All right. So I'm going to take you four years in advance here, 2026. You got your eyes set on that yet? Yeah, that's definitely in the back of my mind. Just it's exciting. You know what I mean? Like the world cup is coming to the Americas. So it's of course always in the back of my mind, you know, how can I improve my game? But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's huge for American soccer that it's coming to the U.S. and it's, it's a privilege. Yeah, it's far out, but it's something for you to strive for, you know? Yeah, of course. Always a, a goal, a big goal. Yeah. 
any final thoughts for Philadelphia fans that are listening? Just thank you for supporting me and the entire team. And yeah, we'll be sure to give it our all for the rest of the season for you guys and girls. All right, Paxson. Well, thanks for hopping on MLS Gone Wild, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 20, featuring Paxson Aronson, a.k.a. Medford Modric. Tune in to his match this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. versus Orlando City on ESPN+, Plus as the Union look to extend their lead atop the Eastern Conference standings. Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves and one another, and remember the name, Paxson Aronson. Peace.